0: KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleter Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleter Painting. Here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX.
1: All right, Hour 2, Home Improvement Questions and Answers. Phone calls are open for business on KMOX. Phone lines are open. Wide and awake. So 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, one more hour home improvement here. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We are talking about everything around your home, your buildings, the responsibilities you have for being safe, secure, comfortable, and healthy, Yeah, that's a big mouthful, but that's really what's in it for our homes. Uh, we've learned over the last uh, half century of housing, and by the way, this CAMWX uh, Home Improvement Show is older than a half century. It's been going on as long as I know, as long as I remember, and I know for a fact more than 50 years, and that's why we have phone lines open, and they fill up pretty quickly here on CAMWX, 314-436-7900, toll-free 809251120 but it's going to be really good weather and that good weather has great opportunities that go with it and with it you'll have some rising humidity because as the weather gets warmer you know you wind up with that moisture coming up out of the ground it tries to evaporate with the sun and the temperature mother nature moves moves everything from high concentration to low so even though the ground is kind of frozen it's still uh, close to saturated and certainly wet so you will have moisture evaporating higher humidity so even though the weather's getting warmer there's more moisture that trying to move through your walls of your home. So when it's cold and dry on the outside, not a big deal. You have warm and humid on the inside running the humidifier, running that relative humidity inside your home from 30 to 50 percent, trying to keep your nasal passages, all those beautiful wood cabinets, furniture, and baseboards, drywall, plaster finishes inside your home. They like moisture. You know, they're just like us. They're just a You know, non-living version of the organic world. So, you know, keeping relatively constant humidity, whether in our homes and bodies, it's all the same thing. Too much of a good thing is too much. Not enough of a good thing is not enough. So everything in moderation, that old uh, adage, is, is pretty much true for building science. Well, tomorrow, 66 degrees. Monday, 61 Any, you know, things you'd, you know, maybe go see the water, hang out, little fishing. Yeah. And maybe trip to the lake, pond. Uh, probably not much for swimming. I, I get that. But anyway, Scott Mosby here, Home Improvement, One More Hour, University of Cam Wax. Uh, bring it on. We're going to talk about uh, custom versus semi-custom to vi- builder grade kind of and why and what the, these terms um, engulf and and you know how that touches you in the consumer world. You can see it even in the store when you go to uh, buy towels. You've got the towels that uh, are very inexpensive. There's a gazillion of them made. If you uh, like those towels, you have a limit of those colors. It's kind of the Henry Ford version of everything. Uh, Basically, you can have anything you want in automobiles uh, in the Model A as long as it's black. Well, okay, now I think I want a few more colors than that. So then you get into semi-custom. All right, so then in the evolution of the Ford Motor Company and automobiles, Henry Ford, let's come forward. Well, let's have more colors than that. Well, golly, if we've got an internal combustion engine, wheels, and we can move things around, what happens when those machines stop? Whoa, we need a tow truck. Oh, well, let's make one of those Model A's into a tow truck. Okay, a tow truck for pulling. What if we can move materials? Oh, oh, yeah, let's make a pickup truck. Well, so then you get into custom and semi custom to where, well, I want a truck. I want to move stuff about. And then you get into very custom. Well, I have a very specific need and I want it just so I need a tow truck or I need a dump bed truck or dump truck. Those are custom in the world of the Henry Ford automobile and as it gets into towels in the home, you then get into you know, monogramming. You can have any color. Now we're getting into the full custom where you have clothes made to fit, uh, she- sheets made to a perfect specification, um, everything furniture ordered, custom online. You can have anything you want in any of those options. Likewise, as you get into kitchen and bath remodels, just the same. So you have builder grade, in which case the price and the balance and, and consumer choices are made by the builder. Builder grade, not bad, just an optimal dollar for option mix done by the builders but it doesn't give the homeowners a whole lot of choices well you can pick within these three colors and you can have these three or four floor options and then you you know ten or fifteen years later you want a little more out of that bathroom it's like you know i think I, i i want some wood floors in that guest bathroom because it's not a terribly wet space we're not doing bathing and dishes and all it's hardwood floor work so you then pick from a short list of things then you get to the master bathroom or kitchen to where you pick everything and that's the full custom. So the price, the value and the customization or choices you have in all of those lines goes throughout everything, whether it's automobiles, towels, kitchens, baths, roofing, flooring, all of that. So the more decisions you as a, human, as a consumer make, the more custom it is, the more it is yours and then when you go a little too far and you make it too much your own then instead of continually adding price and value you go to the top of that sine wave curve and you make it so strange that your favorite color uh you see it in florida and a lot of the retirement communities you know it might be lavender it might be chartreuse uh it might be blue and then it you know you go to sell something like that it's like well unless you find that buyer that loves that color, they see it as well. It's going to cost me this much to, you know, customize it and get rid of all that stuff. So, again, there's a, in, you know, more is better, more is better, and then you get too much, and boom, it's just too custom. Uh, so, anyway, realize that uh, most people in the Mosby Building Arts kitchens and bathrooms, when they do their kitchen and bathroom, we bring that in as part of the service, and we talk about, you know, well, what makes sense for you, you know, how. Important is it to you slash how much does it cost to get exactly what you want if you want this specific tub and this type of jet and bubble tub and all anyway that's all part of it phone lines 314-436-7900 800-925-1120 this is Scott Mosby one more hour I am truly at your service we started out hour one with Mike asking about trees too close 10 feet or further away I was comfortable with a Bradford picture about 10 feet away, but no closer. Uh, we got into it with Ed, who'd had about 28 cups of coffee on the flooring in St. Louis Hid, in St. Louis Hills. Ed and I both had a little too much coffee. We went on for a little bit, but his point was, I, I want the best floor. Well, in St. Louis Hills, in my mind, a buyer would expect really nice-looking hardwood floors. So that was my opinion to Ed, was the finest Best, highest value floor in St. Louis Hills. Very custom, nice place, good neighborhood. Probably what was in there 80 years ago, and that's hardwood oak or something of a hardwood, you know, finer material. Uh, Mike had a question about siding. On we went into uh, crawl spaces with John, finished up the hour. Now on to hour two. Stay tuned. We do have you up next on the phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-800. 800 925 1120. This is Scott Mosby on KMOX at your service.
0: Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX.
1: And thank you to Helitech and Schleter Painting and Gutterworks for sponsoring this Helitech Home Improvement Show. It helps bring to you this signal, pay for the 50,000 watts, you know, have that newsroom out there, you know, with uh, Brian Kelly and all those other smart people around. Yeah, it keeps the lights burning and the radio signal going out. So thank you to our sponsors, and helitech has been part of this show for a very, very long time. Uh, Let's go to the phone lines. Crank it up here, see what's cooking with my friend Joe. Hey, Joe, thanks for lunch on Cam How can I help you, my friend?
2: Yes, hello, Scott. Uh, I have a uh, nine foot patio door with a center panel that slides. Yeah. And the center panel is, well, the whole patio door is about uh, 21, 22 years old. That center panel is becoming more and more difficult to slide. I've tried lubricating. The rollers, you know, kind of squirting some uh, oil in there. But uh, is there a possibility that I could have just that center panel replaced?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely as well. Uh, Joe, there are a couple of things here. That center panel rides on usually ball-bearing rollers. Those ball bearing rollers adjust up and down, so for example, if that panel were to be removed, there's usually a little hole on the side, about oh half inch in diameter, and there might be a little cup or plastic cap covering it uh, and that then, as you pull that out about three inches inside that door, sometimes four, five, or six is a phillips screw that as you turn it in the roller presses down or as you unscrew it counterclockwise righty tighty lefty loosey as you make it left loose that roller drops down well over 10-20 years the vibration of the movement of that door Joe that roller goes back up into the panel and the, then the panel itself starts dragging on the track. So it may be a simple adjustment. However, after 20 years, um, typically it may be time to have those rollers changed. There are services and handyman companies that come out. If you know the manufacturer brand of that door, you can contact that uh, a company, and they typically have somebody that will come out, change the rollers, lubricate it up, put a little you know, stuff to keep the rollers from vibrating back down. But, yeah, the, the good news is on good brands, and that's why I'm so good on brand names, that if you have a big brand name, they will have parts, they will have service, and they will have somebody that can come out and do that. That's why I like kind of the names you know.
2: Yeah, I guess my problem is, though, I don't see a brand name on the patio door, unfortunately. I'm sure that it, the, the builder at the time uh, used construction-grade uh, materials. Um, but I think I will check. Uh, take your advice and see if I can find a service that uh, does that type of uh, repair as opposed to uh, trying to replace the whole nine-foot section.
1: Yeah, most, most doors. Uh, the other thing I will say to this, Joe, is if you have insulated glass, um, oftentimes you'll get into it on the rollers. If this is a really good door, it's worth rebuilding a few times. If it's not a really good door, by the time you rebuild it and you put you know a few hundred dollars into getting all that, the rollers fixed, then the insulated grass, glass seal breaks. And now you're replacing, you know, at that point, uh, and you may find yourself, as you're discussing getting these rollers rebuilt that the lower quality builder grade you may wind up talking about a replacement door because you're going to put good hardware money into a door that may have less than five years left in the glass seal
2: yeah very true it's a
1: good yeah so be prepared it's not just selling up selling you more it's like hey man let's make a good consumer decision here would you rather put three hundred dollars toward a new door or three hundred dollars for three years
2: yeah yeah, very good. Well, I appreciate your uh, input. So I'm always uh, impressed with your recommendations.
1: Thank you, oh, sir. Thanks, Joe. Just kind of common sense. Yeah, most farmers and Midwesterners, we just kind of know this stuff. <laughs> okay, home improvement. Uh, let's see what's happening next with my buddy, Elgin. Hey, Elgin, uh, good afternoon. Welcome to lunch on Camwex. How can I help?
3: Scott, how you doing? So i got a plumbing issue. Every uh-huh. time I flush any of my toilets, uh-huh. I'm getting this loud vibration sound, and I'm trying to figure out what what's what's happening with it. Is there something? Is there a fix for it? What do I need to do there?
1: Well, Elgin, it's a ghost, and it uh, it it's very loud, and it comes, no, not really. That's much better than the answer I'm about to give you. <laughs> so the okay. haunted plumbing. All right, it is. Um, there's a a term pipe pipe hammer or foghorn. Um, and this is very common. The regular listeners here hear this a bit. But as your toilet uh, valve, you know, the float, the big uh, float thing in the tank goes up and down and fills the, the toilet tank. Right. Okay. There's a spring on the end of that. As the tank gets full, that float comes up and it stops or chokes off the flow of water. One, But there's a spring that pushes it down. So... Um, Anyway, after years, that spring and that valve, or what's called a silcock, that float on-off water flow thing gets tired, so instead of shutting the water off, it kind of half-heartedly shuts it off and so you can get water pulsing back and forth through that and it can sound like a foghorn it can sound like a person hammering on your pipes with a hammer Uh, but the long and the short of it is is this the normal aging of uh, plumbing fixtures Uh, I would start with the toilet uh, guts in there the the filler mechanism if you can get original equipment so if it's a Kohler put in the you Know, take that up on you flip the lid up on the toilet usually there's some numbers in there take a picture of that and see if you can excuse me get the same brand model and make for that um the next thing is is that also happens to the on off valve the stop in the wall if you have a little shut off under the toilet there's a um a um the washer, that water can flow over both sides of that. That can sound like a clarinate, clarinet, saxo- saxophone, or oboe very easily. So you may need to replace that, and then you go all the way to the shutoffs down in the basement, on to the main stop for the house. So you have four opportunities of where that problem can occur.
3: I did, uh, I did see that pulsating in the toilet downstairs because it still has the old ball float on it. Yeah the, other, yeah. the other toilets, I've changed the floats on both of those.
1: Yeah. Well, and you may, yeah.
3: So but, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, I thought it might be in the shutoff valve. There. Maybe there's some buildup in there that's, Restricting a the water possibly, but I'm thinking it may be in the shutoff valve
1: well, just by cost, if you're handy like that, I would change all my toilet guts first before I do all that because you're you know ten fifteen dollars for the parts a little bit of time. it's a hassle, but that's the most likely part, and generally when you get them fifteen to twenty five they're ready to be changed anyway. Yeah. You know, right. So a little bit of preventive maintenance on that, um, and I, I will t- I will say I'm going to broaden this conversation a bit. Um, uh, clothes washers, dishwashers. Uh, have solenoid valves, so they have an electrical filler valve, and these things also get tired and flop back and forth. So you can have a change of pressure. And if you have too much pressure coming to the house, and the house actually may have a pressure regulator, if you get too much pressure coming to your neighborhood and your house, it'll mm-hmm. overpower those springs and induce that sound, so um, oh, okay. okay. the sky is not falling, it's, you know, you <laughs> and I get wrinkles, and the back gets a little sore, that's what's happening with your toilets and your shutoffs, that's all.
3: All right, so I should check the guts on the inside of the toilet, and then if it's not there, maybe change out the uh, shutoff valves.
1: Yeah, and and sometimes you can get the same brand. I like to just shut the water off to the house, and I take the whole faucet guts out of that shutoff. Because if I take if there's Nibco is one of the brands, I just take I just take that inch nut all the way out, and I take the handle, the packing, and the whole thing. I take it to the hardware store, and I say, Do you have one of these? Some they say, Oh yeah, I've just that one, and I buy a mm-hmm. new valve itself for six or seven dollars. I go home, and I just take the Guts out, stick it into the old body. I don't even have to do any soldering.
3: That's what I was going to ask. I wouldn't. I just shouldn't need to have to like so, you know solder, solder on a new shutoff valve.
1: If you match the brand and model of that shutoff exactly, it's like you know changing a starter on a Ford. You're not going to make the the Chevrolet one fit. Okay. See okay. what I mean? So you need to get yeah. that Nibco brand or you know Brass Co. Whatever it is. The whatever the brand is.
4: Okay. All right, Scott. Appreciate it.
1: All right, Elgin, good luck. It sounds like you're, uh, you're the man for the job.
4: That's right. my wife.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. You, right, make her sign that one, Elgin. That's, that's where some serious traffic. Thanks, Scott. All right. Take care, bro. I, I just like talking about this stuff. Um, and and uh, as homeowners, we all face this stuff. Some of us are handier than others. Some women are handier than the husbands and you know and I'm kind of married to one of those uh, uh, one of the early sh- uh, questions or question and answers about the show is our one of our favorite stories is um, my wife at home we have a listed phone number so my wife uh, and I thought well you know you're a public figure you're there you own a business people want to find you so anyway lady called my wife at home and she said "It's got there And she said, oh, uh, no, he's not right here. Uh, uh, Can I help you? And she said, yeah, um, I want to know how to fix my toilet. And she said, well, he's on X right now. Um, uh, She said, yeah, I know, but that line was busy, and so I called here. Well, my wife, you know, she, she's no slouch. She's been around this for her whole career. She knew those answers so she helped the lady. So thank you very much. Goodbye. Hung up, you know, so and it was kind of interesting, you know, but the lady she couldn't get through on Game Wax so she called our home trying to get a hold of me who was on Game Wax. Um, and fun, life is funny uh, and, and that's uh, I'm a I, I, I like comedy. I like comedians. Really good comedians just talk about us. We are hilarious, you know. Anyway, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, wax. I'm here for your service as well as your entertainment. Uh, asking my wife or perhaps Elgin's wife as well. We are an entertaining lot. Uh, so we have phone lines open. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Maybe I'm just in a good mood because it's going to be great weather today. 66 tomorrow, 61 on Monday. Man, if you're not going outside, you should. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. KMOX right here at your service.
0: Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX.
1: All right, back together. We are live and lively lunch on KMOX. Bean time, put a few shrimp on the barbie. We're getting warm enough to think about that. However, tomorrow and Monday are going to be fantastic. Uh, Let's see what's happening here. Uh, See if Andy's still on the line. Andy is still with me there on KMOX. How can I help? Yes, I am. Thanks for
5: taking my call. I recently uh, fixed a hairline crack in the basement, and I put some rubber coating over him. And uh, it's been two months now. We had some good rain, so it's not leaking. Now I want to um, repaint over the top of that. What's the best type of paint to put on that without scratching the rubber again to hold the paint?
1: uh you do want to rough up the surface of that rubber a little bit uh that can be done chemically that can be done with sandpaper but a slight a, a shiny slick uh tight surface whether on glass marble granite uh, if it's smooth mm-hmm. slick and shiny it's hard to get paint to bond uh, there are bonding primers so uh, I would turn you to a paint store uh, probably you know one of the professional paint stores and and turn that to them take the can of the rubber with you so they know exactly what you're trying to paint I'm going to step aside because this is a chemistry question about what bonds and sticks best to that rubbery surface that depends on you know what kind of polymer Okay. It is in that you know what I mean but if you take yes. that can to a paint store they will give you a primer and I promise it, the primer will stick follow the instructions and then you top coat it with just about anything you want so you may have a solvent base uh, or water-based primer that goes over that but I will tell you that uh, you may wind up actually putting some sort of a chemical etcher on that that just roughens up and opens the pores of that product Very good. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yep, Andy, it's doable. You just have to follow the chemistry class and, you know, not blow anybody up and don't create any atom bombs in the process.
5: Yeah, that uh, went set right with my wife, so. (laughs) All right. Okay, take care, brother. Thank you.
1: All right. Bye now. Home improvements. Scott Mosby. There we go. Uh, We've got Joe with the patio door. Elgin plumbing issue. Change the toilet guts. Andy wants to paint his uh, successfully sealed crack in the basement wall. Uh, and that's very common. I mean, whether you have it professionally repaired or injected, those products can leave a very shiny effect because they're cl- tight closed pores and they're generally a chemical set. Um, I did have a question from Roger earlier who dropped the line. Contract for remodeling was his question or his topic. I want to defer to that just a little bit. Uh, Number one, uh, a contract for remodeling. This is one of my pet peeves because if somebody says it's this many dollars to remodel your bath and here are the fixtures, I want to know more than that. I want to know where the floor ends because the complaints that I get on the consumer level of well you know the floor in the bathroom used to end underneath the door when it was closed now the guy remodeled the bathroom and now the new floor comes all the way out to the hallway I didn't want that so those little types of details uh, whether you call it specifications, scope of work or contract they are part of what I consider to be a good set of contract documents and as you and I well know the devil is in the details details if you expect it and you want it either you or that contractor need to record it write it down uh, number one so the contractor can estimate it that way and I will tell you um, 80% of the uh, agreements or contracts that get done in the remodeling there's not much of a contract um, because that takes time and good tradesmen oftentimes don't think paperwork has real value so they just kind of sidestep that doesn't mean they're going to do a bad job means that you still may wind up in a consumer conflict over what was delivered versus what you expected. So, you know, you have to have a time frame. You have to have an amount of money. You have to have a clear description of what's in there. And you have to really understand that because you are the consumer quality check. It's your home. Only you know what you want. Uh, and whether the contractor writes it up or you write it up, uh, typically, and, and the bigger the money amount is, the more pages will be involved in that. So, for example, at Mosby Building Arts, just to do a simple you know, powder room remodel on uh, under our right bath or our, uh, you know, custom or semi-custom, you know, that bathroom. Uh, scope of work just the description of the work will be somewhere between three and eleven pages long and that's not the contract that says how much it is but it does say these are the faucets you're getting these are the handles you're getting here's the finish of those faucets here's the spout model you've got this is the type of drain in the bottom your your sink is square round oval it's eight inches deep six inches deep uh, there are stops in the walls we are doing you know and that's just for the sink and the faucet so if you don't know what's going in there uh, Uh, I really, really urge you for your own peace of mind and your own sanity, because if you talk about it up front, it's going you know, I talk about it, you know, if you study for the test and you talk about it with your contractor up front, you get a really good understanding up front. Generally, the project goes pretty well. But if you try to shortcut that, you will have those same conversations in contention, uh, in disagreement at the end of the project where it's, it's a little bit too late to go back and get it, and one of you is going to come away with something not right or or not fair in your mind. Uh, And I served as chairman of the Better Business Bureau, Bureau Board eight years on the board, you know, and most of these conflicts are based in somebody, one side not really agreeing with the other on exactly what they're doing. So if you don't have a one page to be on, whether it's one page or 28 pages, if you don't have a same page, you can't be on the same page because there isn't one. So that's kind of how I would answer uh, the uh, contract because it's a big deal. Your better contractors are going to have very specific descriptions like that, and it's very important. Uh, Let's see what's cooking here and uh, go up, uh, see what's happening with my buddy Ed. Hey, Ed, Scott Mosby, how can I help?
3: Hey, Scott. I'm kind of a handyman here. I live in an older home. It's got the older aluminum storm windows in there. Yeah. Would it? Would I be uh, just wasting my time, or would it be efficient for me to take them storm windows out and clean back behind them and re-caulk them in the back of them and put the storm window back in? Would, that, would I get any efficiency out of that or not?
1: Not so much on efficiency on that, uh, Ed, but you will get a whole lot of operation. If you do what you're doing and you re-square up that frame on those storm windows and you lubricate the sliders, you can get parts for those storm windows, the little pins that stick out, I guarantee, and lubricate those. When it's time to open and close those windows, your back won't hurt as much. So operation ability, uh, and, and typically if you're really handy and you can do that time uh it really makes a lot a lot of life easier and oftentimes people will say well do i really need new windows or can i just get my storm windows to work better we will either replace most commonly sometimes rebuild or if they're handy they'll rebuild them so the answer is absolutely yes those doors were uh, storm windows will operate better but you're only going to improve the seal of them by you know five six ten percent maybe
3: So would it be worth my time to pull them windows out and reseal everything?
1: Uh, the frames usually stay in place. I would get out there with a square and this is how we assess them both on the consultant level or the tradesman is just take a big framing square and see if they're still square in there because old houses have a way of moving and shifting. I kind of have a body like that myself. It's moving and shifting windows kind of get out of square storm windows, get out of square doors, get out of square. So if the frame is still square, I would just pull those panels out and work on those frames in place, uh, and make that luxury because it's there's luxury to me is when I open a window, it moves nicely. When I open a door, when I open a storm window, it moves freely. So it's more the luxury level than energy efficiency. You're going to get.
2: Okay, Scott, I appreciate it very much. You have a great weekend.
1: Ed, it's a, you know, big cup of coffee and, you know, one window at a time. You may have a pretty good time doing this, you know,
3: (laughs) I could have.
1: Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. I'm going to take a short pause here on University of KMOX. Uh, sometimes I'm the student. Sometimes I'm the instructor. Sometimes the two of us are going to come to a third new possibility of how to skin that cat, how to solve that problem. And that's one of the best things I like about this is uh, this is where I, too, come to school. Sometimes people ask me a question. I don't know the answer. You know, they go and do their research. They tell me how it turned out. My golly, it's uh, it's one of the best training things I've ever encountered in my life. And believe me, I chase around a lot of people asking a lot of questions. I'm just an inherently curious guy. Uh, some will say bothersome and pestering. Well, by golly, I learned some stuff over the years by being bothersome and pestering. So, uh, bring it on. I love it. You're my kind of people right here together on KMOX. I'll be right back.
0: Now, back to the Tech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleeder Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX.
1: Oh, yes, indeed. Just advancing the comfort, health, and the reliability and luxury of our homes. Luxury in my world being defined of as it works <laughs> turn the doorknob it turns it actually unlocks the door then when you pull on the door to open it or push it to close it it actually works the threshold is adjusted properly and all the weather strip around it seals that's luxury little things so it's not the you know the fabulous wonderful over-the-top gold finish for me it's you know when I want it to work it does its thing and imagine that we're together on camo x talking about things and how to get them to work so maybe we can rename this show the luxury home show fix it well anyway let's see what's cooking here with my friend carol hey carol scott mosby good afternoon welcome to camo x how can i help hi scott
5: um what i'd like to ask you is so we have a 12 year old family room addition on the back of our home mm-hmm. and it is heated by two separate, it's a pretty large room, so they have laid two separate coil, electric coils, um, you know, and then they covered it with uh, rubberized and then they put the flooring over it. One Mm -hmm. of those has stopped working. The other one does, but the first, one of them has stopped working. My question for you is, so we had an electrician come, he checked and there is power to the thermostat, but no power down to that floor. So, Mm -hmm. We can't just fix it with a new thermostat, no, or it's going to be the flooring. But my question to you is, uh, when I have looked at the crawl space, I have seen evidence of critters have gotten to Mm -hmm. that crawl space because I can see the insulation's been torn down in places and things. So is it possible that there could have been damage to the wire and I won't have to tear out the whole floor? Is there any way to... To tell if there's damage that's not the under, you know, that's not part of the actual electric coil,
1: so I won't have yeah. to tear out the whole flooring. Or well, you're thinking about mm-hmm. it the right way. I call this the low-hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> not only is it possible, but it's probable because your your thermostat or your operation, if that part electrically sends power down but it doesn't go, the electrician can actually test the resistance. So put a meter on both of the wires, send a little electric out one side. If it doesn't come back the, the other side, you know you've got a break. Well, the electrician's probably already done that. I would most definitely um, go down and start looking for trouble because that's the easiest, least expensive thing to do. And whether you're going to spend a gazillion dollars fixing this or not, that's the next step regardless of what it costs is go look for trouble. And critters are infamous there for this i mean they chew on stuff and you know that's where quality construction comes in or not of did you really plug up the little places the little mice can come in or not uh and that's one of those caring things that you know better companies do other than more than others or you know the house shifts and now an opening occurs and it's a maintenance thing but yes i most definitely would um and it's really just it's low tech go look for logic and wherever you see insulation Or something pulled out by mice or critters, then that's the place to look. And it's probably where the break is. Sometimes it's really hard to find. Uh, Very, very seldom is it in the floor. 10, 20% of the time, 80% of the time, it's something accessible that wasn't really closed in or protected from mice. Okay. All right. Thank you, Scott. And and when you look for that and can't find anything else, look for something. It's kind of like health care. So don't, you don't need to be a doctor to know you hurt. So, you know, it's like the obvious place to look is, okay, let's go look for trouble. And even walking around the house outdoors, you know, just look for stuff on the roof. Look for a branch up there, little plants growing out of the You don't have to know anything to know oh, that ain't right, you know? <laughs> Well so
5: what am I I have a question for you would it be better to tear out the wall uh leading down from the thermostat down to the floor would there be a break in that
1: section of the
5: electrical
1: Unlikely. Uh, unlikely. Oh, okay. There was no. The place right. I would go is right down under that uh, thermostat because typically that wire goes down to a box of something and then there's a junction box down in the crawl space or basement or whatever where all of that wiring heating element goes into that box or transformer or whatever it is. I would look at that place. Uh, um, okay. So, the again, just step number one, then go to step number two and just kind of noodle your way logic down the line uh so yeah you know where there's smoke there's fire go look for something that's just out of the ordinary it's okay thank you so much you bet good luck it's it's harder than it sounds <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a narrow
5: crawl space. I don't know if I can still squeeze in it. That's what I worry about. But well, try. take
1: take your cell phone with you because communication matters, uh, typically on something like this, uh, just from a safety standpoint as well. If I'm going down on something like that, I'll tell my wife or I'll tell somebody or, you know, one Mosby employee goes in and the other one's ready to drag him out, you know, if the raccoons attack him or whatever. So, again, <laughs> communication matters and a help, a sister, you know, here, try hand the fly flashlight or whatever. So it's a Uh two-person job best. All right. Thank you. All right, Carol. Take care. All right. Next up, let's see what's happening with my buddy Al. Hey, Al. Good afternoon. Welcome to CAMOX. How can I help?
4: Yeah, well, I hope maybe I can help. I didn't catch everything while ago when Joe was calling in about the draggy patio door. Yes, sir. But uh, generally what happens when it's dragging is that, you know, you need to get the the rollers lowered in relation to the door and push the door up. Yes, sir. Um, the things that I found in my experience, if you can take a little spray lubricant with a tube, try to get some lube on that screen or that screw. But uh-huh. then, if you have like a small pry bar or somebody else with a, a big oh, screwdriver wow. or fulcrum, take the weight off of that door. Otherwise, you're trying to lift a 150 pound door with, with that little screw, and oh, it makes yeah. it easier then to, oh. to do that. And, Keep going.
1: Uh, yeah, I like where you're going. Thank you. Uh,
4: Okay, well that's that. And then secondly, if that doesn't work, I had the same problem. There's a company up in Maryland Heights called Genesco, yeah, and uh, they came out were very good for a very reasonable price they even though it was a molar Rimer, which I don't think they make anymore, they had to part for it, and the only problem was after my wife and I have to lean in to open that for several years, we kept slamming it to the jam because it moved so easy so we...
1: yeah, you gave <laughs> but, it the uh, same oomph to open it, and it came exactly. flying open, yeah,
4: right. so I just want to pass that along.
1: Thanks, Al. So Genesco uh, does parts and service on this and lubricate yes, it, and when you're turning the screw, lift it up a little bit with a pry bar, take the weight off so you can turn the screw easier.
4: Exactly, Yep.
1: All right, Al, thank you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir.
1: Okay, how about that? I was listening. I I have a skill. Maybe maybe I can listen just a little bit. That really good advice from Al. Apparently he's done this a good bit. Uh, those doors, those patio doors, can weigh, you know, 150, 180, 200 pounds. And what Al's saying is, as you put your Phillips screwdriver in the end, usually the sides on both ends, uh, you know, so you're kind of putting this thing into the end edge of the door, about an inch and a half up from the bottom, you'll encounter A Phillips screwdriver. His point is, rather than just turn that screw, that you might want to put a little lubricant in at first, make the screw turn easier, and then lift it with kind of a lifting pry bar, that sort of a thing. Take the weight off of that, and then you'll find that screwdriver turns a little bit. And you may have to, you know, trial and error, you know, prod around in there until you feel that screwdriver fall into the um, the the grooves of that Phillips head screw, most commonly. Uh, Anyway, stay tuned more coming up here we've got retire ready on camo x coming up right after this show and then following retire ready the business of family business with ryan wrecker so stay tuned and tune in to camo x throughout the weekend and man are we going to have some weather scott mosby signing off thank you at your service